0: Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Nora Farhat, and she is a multi unit, multi brand franchisee with Pool Scouts, British Swim School, and Mathnasium. Welcome, Nora.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm excited to learn about your journey. Um, how did you choose? Um, did you choose all three of those brands simultaneously, or did you start with one and evolve? Can you tell your your backstory a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can't even imagine what would have happened if I picked all at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, it was definitely a journey. I think that is uh, certainly the right word. I started out my corp- my career pretty much in corporate. Uh, like most entrepreneurs, I was pursuing corporate type jobs and then I always wanted to have my own business, but I didn't quite know how to get there. I didn't know how to start it. I didn't have a craft. I didn't have a you know specific skill set. I didn't have a product. Um, but I definitely always had the energy and enthusiasm I'm gonna call it of an entrepreneur. but I started out in corporate. and just through years of working through corporate jobs, owning my own business was always something in the back of my mind. And there was a point in time where I was working overseas and I was looking to transfer back to the U.S. And I thought, you know what, this is probably the only time I can choose to either go get another job or I could potentially just pursue this. And that's kind of what started my journey of franchising. So it was how do I give myself this chance, kind of how do I take a risk on myself after you know years of working a corporate world, I kind of knew where my skill sets were. I knew I was an operator. And that's kind of actually what attracted me to franchising was I loved the idea that these models were proven out and you really got to take a concept that was already in the market and then just really bring it into you know a community and kind of run it the best way that you can. So just based on that starting point, that's when we started to do some research, working with some franchise consultants. And I ran into British Swim School that was my first franchise and that was really just mainly you know through a lot of research it seemed like it allowed you to either start off small and it allowed me to grow it the way i thought would make sense and it was a kids business and i i had young kids and they needed swim lessons So I was actually probably the consumer (laughs) of the product that I was out there kind of looking for. So that started us out with British swim school, British swim school starts is swim lessons. It focuses on survival lessons first uh, stroke development, second, and we start as early as three months and we go all the way to adult swimming. And that model really just kind of worked for us. It worked really nicely and we were able to be very successful with it. And after, um, a few years later, we were going and driving our kids about 30 minutes from town for a really good math program. It was a math learning center. And this is, you know, pre COVID time, but you know, I recognize the importance of math skills. And every time I would make a drive, I would just be like, man, this is missing in my community. And then I thought, well, am I waiting for somebody to open it? Or is it the right fit for us? So that's kind of, What led us to our second business, which was Mathnasium, which is a math learning center. And it focuses on, you know, working with kids on filling their gaps or keeping them advanced in math. And it's anywhere from first grade to kind of 12th grade is usually the range that it goes to. So with my British swim school experience, we still had that. Then we were able to kind of build Mathnasium then the pandemic made me realize how many people started to build or owned home pools. (laughs) And through that, through just kind of getting the phone calls, how do we service our pool? Where do we go for this service? Kind of looked around again, where, you know, entrepreneur at heart, I was like, we have a problem here and I think we can figure out a solution. And that kind of led us to our third, which was pool scouts, which is a primarily residential home pool cleaning service um, and some maintenance work. So that's kind of our journey. I don't see it that it's it's ending anytime soon, but it's kind of one plate off the other and it kind of kept building from there.
0: Now, at the beginning of the journey, you mentioned you worked in corporate. Um, a lot of folks who work in corporate, their first move in leaving corporate is to be a consultant to the same people that they're working with in corporate. How, what was your thought process in and around that? Did, were you saying, look, I'm just going to pull the ripcord. I don't want to do this at all anymore. And I'm just going to go in a totally different direction. Did you consider doing consulting and you just felt that this was just more of the same and you were looking for a dramatic change? Like uh, talk about kind of the mindset at that stage when you were right at that cusp of, you know, where you were and where you wanted to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's such an important point because I think this decision could go so many different ways for people. I would have not left a a job to go pursue a business just blindly, I guess. Let me just kind of put that out there. I think, you know, there's the financial side of it. There's the, you know, experience side of it. For me, it was a transition period regardless. I had been living and working overseas. I was in the Abu Dhabi, Dubai area. For about eight years. And at that time, when I was looking to transition with my family back to the US, I could have gone and pursued, you know, just kind of stepped back into another corporate job or just transferred with the company that I was working with. But then I thought, what a rare opportunity, instead of going and jumping from one corporate career to the other, is where I get to kind of experience this. You know, I knew what, you know, funds I had available, I knew what timeline I had in mind in my mind. And honestly, my kind of leap was if this doesn't work or if this takes longer to kick off than I think I want, I'll go back and get another job. Um, You know, I trusted my skill sets enough and I knew I had enough networks and, you know, I could probably, you know, hopefully get another job down the line. So my plan was I'm going to take this, you know, leap of faith a little bit. And again, everybody's situation is so unique, right? Like everybody knows what their own individual financial statuses and, um, you know, timing and, you know, their spouse and, you know, so many different factors play into it. But for me, I knew it was the right time for me. I knew that I could take this on as, a, you know, 24-7 kind of project. And I, I also felt like I had been working for this for years. I knew where my background was strong. I knew what I brought to the table. And I was really comfortable with that. It really just took a chance for me to kind of take a leap and faith on myself but I recognize that that's not everybody's journey. I know I have spoken to so many people where maybe that's not the right decision. Where they might look at it as this has to be something that works after hours. You know, I still need my job and I need to be there. That's completely okay. Um, so, but for me at that time, that was kind of that leap that I was able to take, and I recognize that that was a rare opportunity. And. I would not do it otherwise if it was not everything was kind of aligning the way it should for me.
0: So when you decide to make the leap into a different kind of career path and a different industry, um, now the world is your oyster. There's thousands of choices when it comes to a franchise specifically. Um, and other choices would have been to buy an existing business in wherever you were moving to. I mean, there there was a variety of choices that you could have made in this regard, but you decided to go the franchise route. Now, once you go down that path, then there's a whole other bunch of choices because no matter who's advising you, they're showing you only a sliver of what's all of it that's available. They're not showing you the entire universe of franchises. They're showing you what they represent or their companies represent. How did you kind of navigate those waters and and find, okay, these are the people I trust, these people, because it's the Wild West out there. There's a lot of great franchise people. And there's a lot of not so great franchise people. So how did you kind of get the lay of the land and know, okay, these are the good people, these people, I think I'll just keep an arm's length. Um, I believe what this person's saying this person, I'm a little skeptical. How did you kind of, you know, navigate that?
1: You know, it's um, interesting, but sometimes ignorance is a little bliss. <laughs> In this situation, I think I didn't know how to start a, a business. And I think that that's an interesting perspective. I think I was in the mindset of, I want a business. I am not sure if I have a personal trait or something that I want to sell myself. Let me look at a franchise. And then it was more just navigating exactly with my instincts. It was kind of going through and saying, I know I want to spend X amount of money because you and I both know that that's an important factor when considering a franchise. You know, some franchises, you can't enter the market with less than a million dollars. Others are going to tell you, you need a minimum of this amount. So for me, it was also how much money am I willing to put into this venture? And, you know, what am I interested in personally? Honestly, I could have gone in so many different directions, but I didn't let all of that inundate me too much. I think it was I like things very black and white for myself. So for me, it was more, you know, hey, this is kind of the money. These are the fields. These are the areas I would be interested in. And then a franchise consultant said, "Hey, here's the you know, (laughs) fifty lists of different businesses you can potentially do." And I said, "Well, let's narrow that down. I know these are my skill sets." And then it was just kind of going on my own instincts. Um, I think you have to sometimes if you keep checking and checking and rechecking, you can keep circling that for a long time. I've run into people that say I've been searching for a franchise for the last three years or four years, and they've talked to everybody. And I just thought, wow, they drown themselves with too much information. You know, you almost have to step back a little bit and just be like, wait a second, what is the right fit? First, you have to know what you're looking for in order to find it. If you blindly let everybody give you the sales pitch, you're going to feel a bit overwhelmed with it. I think the trick is first figure out where your lines are, where your parameters are, and then how, what meets my needs. Because there's businesses out there, you know, that you can... There's every type of business. There are small investment businesses. There's service industry. There's product businesses. But I think for me, the very first step is, what am I willing? What am I looking for? And what am I willing to invest into this business? And actually, what attracted me to our British swim school model, it wasn't like the other swim schools where you would have to spend millions of dollars building out a facility because I wasn't ready to take that kind of jump yet. I didn't know anything about that business. It was more, hey, you. here's a program. This is an excellent program. And I learned a lot about the program. So I love the program. But then it was, you can start off with renting facilities. You can start off this way. My business from the day I signed the contract, which started off as just renting facilities to today, I have my own, you know, million dollar build out type facility. It just, it transitioned into that. But it was not a decision I would have made when I first started seven years ago. So I think the first trick is what exactly are you looking for and what can you invest before you start doing a lot of that research? Because exactly like you said, you can get inundated with just too much information. Um, And I'm not looking for sales pitch. I have to look at the numbers. It has to make sense for me. You know, is this profitable? Is this a service? Do I see this working? And my biggest factor always is, is this something that I would buy? Is this something I would invest in? And even as you hear my journey, everything I kind of invested in was something I already decided that I would be a consumer of that product or service.
0: Now, when you were going about this... um process and you were learning as you were going along and becoming more educated at every step, were there certain things that you were able to, you know, maybe it was your gut instinct, maybe it's just your, you know, kind of your natural gifts uh, of understanding business and people. But were there are certain things that when you talk to a franchise a or uh, that were like, okay, these are kind of must-haves. I need these qualities. Uh, This makes me feel comfortable. When I hear too much of this, this makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm a little skeptical of this. Like, were there certain kind of signals that were like, okay, this is a green light here, this is a, a yellow, this is a red... Uh, that you can share with the listeners who are going through the same process, like things that are kind of must have things that are run away from uh, from based on your experience in dealing with a variety of these folks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was just more my instincts. I don't love. Too much sales pitches. <laughs> so if somebody's overselling me something, it always makes me step back a little bit. For me, it's a little bit of a red flag because the reality is everything sounds great, right? We know that we, you know, everything can sound incredible and great. So sometimes with some businesses, it was almost like an oversell um, or urgency. I don't believe in urgency. I don't believe there's only 10 territories left. And if you don't act fast, <laughs> I, I, I find that I don't I didn't care for people who would put like kind of arbitrary, like time, time limits on me. I didn't think it was necessary. I think a good business is a viable business um, in a good area. So for me, an over sales pitch was always kind of a little bit of a red flag for me or a time limit. There is no time limit to run when you're not even ready yet. And again, granted, there's always time parameters, but um, the idea that it's selling out or that it's an urgency, i that's, you know, it's kind of like a car sales dealership. And if you don't sign today, you're going to lose out because somebody behind you. Well, then maybe it wasn't meant for me. I'm very comfortable with that. And I think that um, to me, those are my personal red flags. I know everybody has different ones. Also, any business that I could not see myself fully doing. You know, some businesses were very sales. Like it was, you have to go, you have to go meet people. It was very driven by actions that I would have to take. And then I thought, you know, from all my strong suits, I don't love sales. I could do sales, but I don't love it. Like that wasn't who I was as a person. And I knew if I had to show up every single day and go off and do these sales pitches, it wasn't going to be the best fit for me. So for me, it also depends on is whatever I'm signing up for something that I also fits within my skill set and something that I love. I don't necessarily believe you have to hire somebody for, you know, oh, I don't want to do sales. I'll hire somebody. I don't believe that, especially when you're first starting your business. You have to first be the one that's leading it. You're fully comfortable with the business before you kind of start staffing it like that. So for me, it was knowing also my skill set. I didn't love a heavy sales side of it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stay away from that a little bit. Um, Deadlines, things like that were definitely red flags.
0: So now when you got involved with Buzz, a franchise brand, and they had a uh, brand that you were excited about, and then then there were complementary brands that seemingly were also part of the evolution of your business, Did that once you were comfortable there, was that pretty much it? Like now I'm part of the family. Now I'm going to kind of let's bring as much value out of this relationship as we possibly can.
1: So it's interesting. So for everybody kind of listening, so Buzz owns British Swim School, Buzz Brands Franchising owns British Swim School and they own Pool Scouts, both franchises that I have. When I originally signed with British Swim School, it was not owned by Buzz It was owned by Rita Goldberg, who had developed the program. So that's what I bought into. And then a few years later, that was sold off to Buzz. And that was a new corporate office, kind of getting to know their style, what they do well. By the time I was looking for the pool business, it wasn't specifically that I was like, oh, I'm already in the Buzz family. Let me see what they have. It was actually what I liked about it, it was actually the opposite. It was, hey, we think that there's a real need here who are the companies that do this best? And then through that due diligence is how I kind of looped back around. And obviously I knew buzz. I knew what they brought to the table. You know, I knew their strong marketing um, backgrounds. So those things were definitely attractive, but it was not what ultimately made my decision. Um, And so it was really more, it was just, you got to do your own due diligence and then you can kind of go with maybe what you know as well, right? So it kind of helped definitely played into making my decision, but it wasn't the only factor. We looked at other companies that provided the same service we were looking for, but we did not feel maybe as confident or, you know, we didn't necessarily, I didn't see it was maybe the right fit. So, and sometimes there is no wrong answer. There's just, what is the right answer for you at that moment? And that was kind of that decision to stay within the Buzz family and do Pool Scouts.
0: Now, for you personally, now that you have experience in multiple brands and in multiple uh, industries, really, have you just thought of, hey, why don't I do the Nora brand of some problem that I'd like solved and start your own franchise?
1: You know, I I can't say I've never thought of it. I have thought of everything. I have even, you know, um, I think it's a natural progression. I think as you grow, as you open businesses, as you know what it takes to run a business, I think the more you, more options you have on the table. So definitely, that's something that I have thought of. I have considered, but right now, I know that that's not where I'm at. It's not necessarily my next step today. I I really love. Kind of taking concepts, bringing them to my community—that is a big part of how I built my portfolio. So I think I, I really like that route right now. But you know, could that change? Absolutely. I think that experience is priceless, and I think a lot of what I've gained with multiple brands and working with franchises is that you know very diverse experience of being able to know—I know the difference between you know the different levels of support and what support I need, and how to best kind of get that. So is it on the table? Hopefully in the future, absolutely. Nothing's off the table. But for today, right now, you know, I love kind of where I'm at. I love being able to bring some of these brands, and you know, into areas that they're not currently operating. That's also very exciting for me.
0: So what do you need more of right now? How can we help?
1: what do I need? (laughs) Famous last words. Uh, I think most business owners would say more staffing. But uh, other than that, I think it really just comes down to, I, I think that the community as a whole, I think business owners, you know, there's so much out there. There's so much in the market. There's so much about, you know, customer surveys and employee satisfaction. I think there's so much mixed, you know, things out there. I think, you know, like everybody, I think ultimately is, You know, you want brand recognition, you want to make sure that you're doing the best that you can. And I think that there is already some great services out there that provide a lot of information, but content is key. I always say to people, you know, especially other business owners, speak openly and speak honestly of your experiences. I've spoken to business people that only, you know, highlight the best of the best. And then I'm sitting, you know, back here at night going, oh, how is it everybody else figured this out? But I haven't you know, or I'd face a certain challenge and I'd be like, what is happening? But the truth is, that's not unique to me. So I think that the number one thing our industry needs is just more honest conversations, you know, putting it more out there, right? What is actually that growth? What did it take for you to build that? There is no, you know, black and white kind of answer for everything. I want the gray. I love, you know, (laughs) kind of more of those, you know, personal stories and you know, people saying, Hey, this really does take seven days a week. This takes a lot of my time. You know, balance is kind of non-existent. I left a, you know, a corporate job, but I'm also working a hundred hours a week. Now I bought a lot with that, right. I got flexibility, you know, income, you know, I'm controlling my revenue, my income. There's so many positives, but there's also kind of that hard side of it that I think sometimes people glaze over, Um, especially people that have been in the industry. And I think it's okay to have both conversations because I think people should know also what they're, you know, what they're working with and how to, you know, get that motivation to kind of keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, I, I, I hear that a lot. Like a lot of times, especially in the media and especially on social media, you're just seeing kind of the highlight reel. And you're not seeing kind of the day-to-day. And a lot of people are hungry for that good, the bad, the ugly. So I know what I'm getting myself into. It's not something that you're necessarily dissuading me from doing something. You're just telling me what to expect so that when something unusual or seemingly unusual is happening, I realize it's not unusual. This is just part of the journey. Absolutely. And
1: honestly, I find it kind of encouraging. You know, I don't see it as a negative. I don't see if I tell somebody you're going to work a lot of hours. That's not negative. That's your baby. That's your business. You know, you want to hustle at your business, you know? Um, But I see it as, you know, just a little bit more transparency. There's many times in my own journey where I didn't know what that next step was. I didn't know where to go from there, right? It was almost like I had to keep taking small steps and allowing it to keep developing, And there was many times, I think within my own journey in full transparency, where I was like, oh, this is just not going to (laughs) work. This is not right. This is not working. And then it was like, wait, 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 step back. Now let's solve the problem. You know, I had to also kind of go through that. So for me, when I hear of a struggle, it isn't necessarily like, oh, see, it's all bad. No, not at all. It's kind of encouraging. It's kind of like, oh, okay, they went through it. (laughs) And that means we're going through it. And that means we got to just, you know, keep moving forward. And I think that that's such an important part of the entrepreneurial kind of process is just figuring that out, too. Like, hey, not every day is great, but you're going to figure it out and just kind of look at it as one thing at a time. Right. Don't get overwhelmed with the details.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite books is by a guy named Ryan Holiday, who wrote The Obstacle is the Way, that obstacles aren't there to just mess you up, they're just part of the journey. And part of the journey sometimes means going around the obstacle over the obstacle through the obstacle. That's just part of the journey. It's not there to sabotage you or to stop you from getting where you want to go. It's just there. So just deal with it.
1: Absolutely. Um, That is the best way you could have said it. Absolutely.
0: So if somebody wants to connect with you or learn more about your brand or brands, what is the best coordinates?
1: Absolutely. You can find me at Nora Farhat pretty much on any platform that could be LinkedIn, Um, or you can find me on Instagram, and it's just Nora, N-O-R-A, and my last name Farhat, F-A-R-H-A-T. So that's pretty much the best way to kind of link up with me, or you can find us on BritishSwimSchool.com. You can look up our Detroit locations. We're in the Michigan market or Pool Scouts, or mathnasium. You look us up, you'll definitely find us.
0: Well, congratulations on all the success, and thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.